Islam, Assalamu alaikum. Shalom, Hotep. I want to welcome you to another airing of Conscious Vibes Radio. Um, I am your host, Ramiel Ilbay. And today's topic um, is going to be a very important one. Um, so I hope everyone is, is strapped in and, and um, <laughs> ready to go. Uh, we're going to get into the responsibilities of fatherhood, and that's going to lead us into the topic of abortions, and is it her right to choose? So before we get into um, the subject matter, I want to do a little bit of um of a house cleaning as we normally do. We have the Order of the Great Skill study classes. Um, they go on every Thursday at 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, Pacific time. And you can, if you're not in the area, you can actually be a part of those classes uh, by... <clears throat> tuning in to YouTube and going to the YouTube channel Moab, M-O-A-B, Bay. And you'll be able to subscribe to that channel and then follow along with the classes um, as they go along. If you miss this week, this Thursday, if you are not a part of the classes by this Thursday, then you will miss the opportunity to test, which will mean that you will not be able to get your accreditation at the end of the classes if you're not a part of them by this coming uh, Thursday. So I advise everyone to tune in. Um, You also have to... uh, type in your attribute to let us know that you attended online. Um, That's one of the ways that we keep track of who is uh, a part of the class and what's going on with them, you know, and all those things so that we can track the attendance and who is eligible uh, to take the the test uh, in June. The class, um, there's no... um, no uh, charge uh, for the class. The accreditation test um, is 
50 notes contribution for the certification. And then for the teacher's certification, it is 70 notes. So it's a total of 70 notes for your teacher's um, certification and a total of 50 notes um, for uh, the regular student certification. Um, we will be making the announcement also when the classes in Sacramento will start back up. So please stay tuned uh, to that. Also, please continue to support uh, More Unity Clothing. You can go to uh, squareup.com forward slash store forward slash more dash unity dash clothing. Um, we have some new things that we're working on and uh, hopefully should have those out uh, here shortly. Um, so please stay tuned for that. we we'll continue to support the uh, polos um, and the uh, women's tees uh, that we have on there now. Your support that you have given it is greatly, greatly, greatly appreciated. Um, so thank you. Thank you in advance. If you haven't supported for your future support, thank you um, for those who have actually already supported with their uh, contribution and their trade uh, for the quality product. Our success is, is definitely uh, dependent upon um, you being a part of what we're doing, and um, the goal is, as it, is still the same, to take the the ancient um, artifacts, the ancient cultures, and put them on clothing so that we can wear, <clears throat> wear and be uh, proud of our culture versus wearing the culture of, you know, of everyone else. All right, so let me see here. Let me find this article or this um Let's see. I have this article pulled up <clears throat> that I wanted to start with, and I restarted the computer before. Uh, so let me go back to it because I wanted to. We want to go ahead and jump into the subject. But one of the things that we we hear is is about um, us as fathers and the fact that. We're not present. We're not around. Um, we're not a part of our children's lives. And that becomes a part of or that process, that indoctrination process that lends to that thought has become increasingly um, reverberated amongst the community. And it has been spoken of as a truth, as that if, you know, the Asiatic or what they'll call the black father is missing out of the home at a higher rate than, you know, all others. And because of that, it lends to a, a sort of a thinking that we have within the community, and it's led to a devaluing of, of the father to where now, you know, you have a lot of fathers who actually do not know how to be a father to their children. Um, 
because the mere thought of, of being a father holds very little value. And so even when you do or you don't, you know, have a father growing up in the home, it doesn't necessarily always mean that um, you're taught actually how to be a father. And that in itself becomes an issue or can become uh, an issue. So I wanted to read something. There's quite a few reports that are out that date back from 2016 all the way back to 2012 and things uh, in those years. Um, So I'm going to start with this report that you can find in the um, L.A. Times. I think that's the one. Let me make sure this is the right one here. There's two. Okay, so this one is um, out of the L.A. Times, and it's from December 20, 2013. And it says, survey finds dads defy stereotypes about black fatherhood. By most measures, reports say black fathers are at least as involved or at least as involved with their kids as other men in similar living situations. Defying enduring stereotypes about black fatherhood. A federal survey of American parents shows that most measures, that by most measures, black fathers who live with their children are just as involved as other dads who live with their kids, or more so. For instance, among fathers who lived <clears throat> with young children, 70% of black dads said they bathed, diapered, or dressed those kids every day, compared to 60% of white dads and 45% of Latino dads, according to a report released Friday by the National Center for Health Statistics. 5% of black fathers who live with their young children said that they read to them daily, compared with 30% of white dads and 22% of Latino dads. The report was based on a federal survey that included more than 3,900 fathers between 2000 and 2010, a trove of data seen as the gold standard for studying fatherhood in the United States. In many cases, the difference between black fathers and those of other races were not statistically significant, researchers said. The findings echo earlier studies that encounter simple stereotypes characterizing black fathers as missing in action. When it comes to fathers who live with their kids, blacks look a lot like everyone else, said Gretchen Livingston, a senior researcher at the Pew Research Center, who has previously studied the topic. And in light of the negative stereotypes about black fathers, that is a story in itself. In Watts, Brian August Jones battles the stereotype daily. Every weekday, he wakes up his three sons before sunrise, gets them dressed, then ferries them to the babysitter and to school. On weekends, he takes them to bi- takes them bicycling or to Red Lobster, which his youngest son, a little fancy guy, prefers over McDonald's. His Latino mother-in-law and her family think black men cannot be good fathers, but I prove them wrong all the time, August Jones said. Worry about black fathers has been tied to persistent facts. 
Black guys are especially likely to live apart from one or more of their children, and fathers of all races tend to be less involved in the day-to-day lives of their children where they are elsewhere. Yet, the report also revealed that among, Af- among American fathers living apart from their children, black dads were at least as involved as other dads not living with their kids, or more so, according to most measures. Among fathers living apart from older children, more than half of black fathers said that several times a week or more they talked to their kids about their day, a higher percentage than among white or Latino dads living separately from older children, the report showed. In Bellfire, Jason Franklin phones his dad, his young daughters daily during the week. The girls stayed with him on weekends. Franklin remembers that when his own parents parted, his father sometimes skipped visits out of spite. He vowed not to do the same thing to his children when he and the mother split up. Even if I don't see them every day, my role as a father doesn't change, Franklin said. Nearly half of black fathers living apart from their younger children said they played with them at least several times a week. 42% said they fed or ate with them frequently, and 41% said they bathed, diapered, or helped dress them as often. Rates on par or higher than those of other men living apart from from their kids. People think they don't care, but we know they do, said Joseph Jones, president of the Center for Urban Families of Baltimore Advocacy Advocacy Group that works with African-American fathers. We see how dads are fighting against the odds to be engaged in the lives of their children. The report leaves it unclear if black fathers on the whole are more involved than other dads. Although the survey shows that black fathers not living at home or as involved with their children as fathers of other races in similar situations. The higher percentage of black dads absent from the home could drag down the average involvement for all other for all black fathers, other researchers pointed out. So I'll pause there. One of the one of the things that we consistently uh would hear and why I want to start out with that article is how um, uninvolved, you know, that we tend to be um, as men. And this stereotype has become one that is very harmful. And it's echoed, you know, by our sisters, uh, unfortunately, because this is this has become the echo. This has become um, the chant. And statistically, although we can do better, should do better, the group of Asiatic Moors, so-called black fathers, are on par with every other group and higher in the categories. When I look at my my own children, um, Brianna and Alexandria, I have two daughters. I was there for both of their births. Um, I was with their mothers through the whole pregnancy. Brianna's mother, um, you know, I took great care of her. Bought her new wardrobes, got her massages, um, made sure she ate well, made sure the stress was down in the home. Um, 
did the best that I could do to facilitate a healthy environment, not only for her, but for Brianna. I remember when um, Brie was born, um, her mother was actually, you know, a trooper. She, um, Brianna came out in less than an hour. And for me personally, I never forget that moment because when Bree came out, Bree wasn't breathing. And so while her mother is still recovering within these brief moments, um, I look over and I notice that the doctors are scrambling because she didn't come out breathing right at the moment, you know, where they, and so they rushed over to the table and her mother starts to ask, is everything okay? And I'm reassuring her, everything's fine, because I knew that my baby was going to be okay. I literally had no worry. I knew that it was going to, she was going to be just fine. And about 10, I don't know, you know, those things seem like it, it's five or 10 minutes, but it was really only like 10 seconds, something like that, because, you know, they're moving fast. Um, they removed the mucus and the blockage that was preventing her from breathing, and, and she came through. And, you know, I still have um, this picture of us, and I think I was 29 when she was born. I think, yeah, 29. Yeah, had to be right, right at about 29. She was born June 20th. So it should have been right at my um, – Twenty-ninth birthday, yeah, if I remember correctly. Um, but I have a picture where I'm holding up her, holding her, and giving her a kiss, and it's still my favorite picture for the, to this day. Until I had, until I had my daughter Bree, I literally had no idea what love was. I thought I knew, but I didn't. And the moment that she came into this world, I instantly knew what real love was, instantly. And she brought out that. I thought I knew what parental love was. You know, you go through the time periods with, with your own parents, and, you know, you think you got it. You think you know how much they love you. You think you know how much they care. But it wasn't until Bree came into this world, who is now 15, about to be 16, um, that I that I knew what love was, and it was such an overwhelming feeling. I had to call my mom um, and tell her thank you, because at that moment I could see why she was willing to do all the things that she was willing to do for me. I could see it. I could feel it. Um, I could I could feel that that love that my mother had when I had um, my own baby, and it was similar when Alex was born, who has a different mother. When Alexandria was born, same thing. I was with her mother all the way through, um, made sure that her mother was well taken care of. Um, was a little older then, um, but was right there, and. Me and Alexandria's relationship was just is, is, is was different. Alex 
was um, just a wonderful child. You know, as she grew, uh, when me and her mother were still together, when I would come home from work, she would literally sit on the edge of the bed when she'd hear the garage door opening. Um, as I'm walking up the steps, because we lived in a three-story uh, townhouse, and she heard the garage, she would move closer to the edge of the bed every day. When I would walk into my room, which is normally where they would be, her and her mother would be in, in our bedroom doing whatever they were doing, she would be on the edge of the bed. I would walk in. She would start smiling. She would start laughing. And then I would literally hold out my arms, and she'd hold out her arms, and then she'd leap as much as she could to jump up off the bed into my arms. And it was just the most beautiful feeling. Um the most beautiful feeling I've ever felt. The difference for me with Alex and Bree was Alex made me understand financial security because when she came about, I wanted to make sure that my children never wanted or needed for anything, which were things that I, I did not necessarily understand you know, I understood them, but I didn't understand it. I was, you know, a little back and forth in my life at that point. But when Alex came, you know, I looked at her, and I, and I promised that I'm going to leave them something. I didn't grow up necessarily with my father, but I grew up of the shadow, within the shadow of my father. So... When I had my children, I wanted to make sure that we had a certain type of relationship. The reason I go into that is because of this myth of, of the father, of this quote-unquote black father not being around. Um, I have a barbershop. And I see many fathers bringing their children into the shop to get when they come to get their hair cut. I see many fathers with daughters bringing their children with them to the shop because they're picking them up for, um, from daycare or from school, things like that. And it's, it's one of the most beautiful things that you'll ever see, especially when they come in with the daughters. I think that sometimes that we, um, as a whole, attempt to get men to focus on the sons. But in truth, um, our relationship with our daughters are just as important, if not, can even be argued more important. Many have seen the, the videos that I'll make with my daughter um, from time to time when we're talking about things. But one of the things that I conscientiously know is that with my oldest daughter, Bree, is who I do the videos with from time to time, um, is that I'm her living example of what a man is supposed to be. I am her example of, um, of what is supposed to happen, how a man is supposed to take care of her. I'm that example for her. And I'm speaking of her because she's 15. 
but I am exactly the prototype that either she's going to go for or going to stray away from because our relationship was or wasn't right. It just depends on which um, direction we go or I take it. It's important that I open the door for my daughter. It's important to let her know that I appreciate her. It's important to get her uh, get her things. It's important to listen to her, to let her express herself. It's important because this is how she will identify exactly what kind of um, man that eventually she um, will be in a matrimonial union with. This is the mark that we leave. And I see many fathers who take it seriously. So we need to stop spreading that myth. I see many fathers who are doing the same thing that I'm doing. I see many fathers come in and read books to their children, hold their daughter's hand, tell their daughters they're beautiful. I see many fathers doing it. Statistically, what that article didn't go out go into is that even statistically, because Asiatic fathers, Moorish fathers, may have children with more than one woman, statistically, even when living apart from our children, we are the most involved far above everyone else far above everyone else. We are the most involved. Even when we are living in different homes, households, still tend to be the ones who reach out, who care, pick them up, do things. We still are the ones doing that. Society has taken and now our our women, our sisters, our mothers are reverberating some nonsense because many of your brothers and your sisters or, or I mean your brothers and your uncles take care of their children. But instead you're talking about the one or two people that you know who don't when the majority of the men that are around you do. But I'd also say that as a father, speaking to other Asiatics, we need to even take it more serious. We really need to understand and take that that mantle. Um, and I'm going to say just focusing on the daughters because our daughters need us so much right now. We have a huge responsibility in riding this ship going through our daughters. We need to understand that we are matriarchal. And the truth is that the most important seed or offspring that's birth is the daughter because that's really who the inheritance goes through. We have to be a living example 
for her. We have to be her protector. We have to be her provider, her teacher. We have to have um, a long-standing love and relationship that endures all things that our daughter should never have to guess about. Your daughter should never have to guess about a father's love. Never. Should never have to have to happen. We have to let our daughters know that we're here, that they can depend on us um, through everything. We got them covered. When the chips is down, our daughters always have to know that they can come to daddy and that daddy is going to give them the words of encouragement. Daddy's going to give them um, a solid foundation that they will build most of their lives on. They have to know that because the, the world is attacking our little girls. The world is attacking them, and you're their safe haven. And so if the daughter is guessing, if she doesn't know, if she is wondering about her the love that's coming from her father, then she tends to look for it elsewhere. She tends to start to attempt to date early or want to do things to separate, you know, from the from the family because she, like all other children, is looking for love. Because somewhere, somehow, she doesn't feel, and she may not be able to voice it, but there's a part of the love that's missing that she needs to help bring balance in her own existence. So we have to really take being that foundation, you know, more serious. And with even with our, you know, with our sons, um, our sons are literally uh, walking uh, emulations of the father in most cases. For myself, not growing up with my father, who I have a wonderful relationship with now, um, I left Kansas City, Missouri. I left that territory because I didn't understand myself. When I was growing up, I had all these different attributes And I didn't understand the greatness that I had within, and I didn't understand the pressure that people put on me to excel because I didn't understand my own gifts. I didn't. I just knew that I had this father, and, and when people spoke of him, they spoke of this athlete, they spoke of a, of a businessman, they spoke of a man who was very handsome and, um, you know, was very um, – well-established financially, this is what they spoke about. And that's not, that's not the memory that I had. That's not what I knew. 
And so by me not knowing him as a as a young man or as a boy, I didn't know myself. And I was very much lost. Ended up getting into doing a whole lot of things. Um from gang banging to um you know, hustling on the streets, uh, just all types of things. So before, right when it got really, really bad, where um, I literally almost got shot in the head, right when that happened, I seen that as a signal that I needed to go. And I went out on a quest to find to talk to, to bond with my father. And so I left Kansas City and I moved to the Sacramento era territory. At the same time, I was a choreographer and a model. So my my first destination was going to be to relocate to L.A., but then he was in the Sacramento area, so I re- relocated to Sacramento and just traveled back and forth to L.A., um, you know, doing the videos or you know, any of those things that my agent was calling me to do. Um, With that relationship, it was pretty tenuous in the beginning. And to make a long story short, because my questions didn't get answered and and I couldn't absorb what I needed to absorb because of that relationship not being what I needed, it's I spun out of control in certain areas. And so I end up going into a situation where uh, now I'm back hustling, end up getting locked up. Um, and this is what my life looked like. You know, missed a lot of career opportunities um, in choreography and dance because of it. But it was all because that foundation of understanding of self was missing. And the part that I needed was from my father. He cared. I didn't feel like, you know, he loved me. Um, And I didn't understand myself. I talked like my father. Um, I have the same analytical process as my father. Um, Look quite a bit like my father. But I didn't understand. My father had his father, but I didn't have mine. And so that foundation that I needed, it just wasn't there. And when he had a chance or when we had a chance to get it right, we didn't get it right. And I only bring that up, and I have no problem using my life stories, you know, for this because it's crucial we really have got to understand the role of a father. This is not ancient times because we could go into this whole dialogue about ancient times. This is the times that we live in now and we're no longer doing the the village thing. We're not there to where fathers literally based on society or not a part of their children's lives, but their uncles and and all those things people are. We're not in that time. We're in a time where fathers literally 
um, are dependent upon to be a part of the children's life. You have to set this foundation. You have to do it. You you have to take it seriously. You have to be that rock that the baby that your daughters need. You have to. Because it is dependent it is dependent upon us to be the protectors that they need so that we can get this right, especially our daughters. Your daughters have to be able to depend on you, not you depend on them. Can they depend on you? Are you the shoulder that your daughter can cry on? Remember, we're talking about the balance, the masculine-feminine relationship, whether it's father, daughter, 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 it's the same. Because if, if your daughter can't come to you, then you're failing. You're failing. And you're not helping with producing a daughter that's going to be able to help get this thing right. Some people get fortunate and based on the, 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 the way that the um, the plan works, you know, that the father doesn't have to, is not necessarily needed. But that's that's a rarity more in this day and time because the balance would normally be the uncle or the grandfather, you know, or the brother. But we have to be able to do it. We have to be able to balance it. We have to be that rock um, that's missing, and we have to take it seriously. I always tell people the system, the system of, of white supremacy has a plan for your child. They have a plan. They have a plan for the Moorish, Asiatic, so-called black youth. They have a plan. Do you have a plan for your child? Because whoever has the plan is the superior. And right now, most parents, most fathers don't have a plan that we've been executing very well as a plan. And when I say plan, it means doing things on purpose. Are we doing things on purpose? Because if you're not doing it on purpose, then what are what are you doing? Because the system the system of white supremacy is doing what they do on purpose. One of the the things that these conversations um, have led to been the issue of Planned Parenthood and the issue of um, abortions. And with, with this conversation, I'll tell you, um, there were some posts that I seen 
on Facebook about abortion and about fathers. And that's actually what sparked a part of this show. And then uh, one of the people who I consider to be uh, who is, let me rephrase that, one of one of my sisters, one of the people who I love dearly, uh, reached out to me and wanted me to do a, a topic about um, fatherhood for, you know, various reasons, you know, she felt that that was a topic that needed to be done. And then I, I seen these posts on Facebook about abortions, and um, this has been an ongoing thing, so I feel like we needed to have this conversation. We needed to sit down and talk about it because there's not enough conversations about the truth of these matters and, and a balancing of, of the viewpoint. Um, and so, you know, I implored and invited everyone to come in so that we could have a conversation about it, <clears throat> whether, you know, we share the same understanding or not. Um, because far too much, um, like the last week, um, where I voiced my understanding of, of uh, the energies and um, the exchange and, and what's going on, and literally, um, you know, um, people took a huge amount of offense to it. So I'm going to bring in my um, uh, co-host, Resale, uh, uh, Resale, um, because I want to bring Islam? in a, uh, a feminine perspective, Islam says, on uh, abortion, and we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story after um, I'm going to give her the floor so she can open up about the subject um, and give a feminine perspective. And I'm going to give you a portion of my story and, and why this is such an, a, um, of such importance to me. So I'll, I'll give Sharice the floor, Islam. Islam family, peace and love, peace and love. Um, first of all, I want to thank you um, for inviting me on the show to really do this topic because um it is a conversation that most need to have, you know, but they don't. You know, we don't talk about um, the importance of the balance in the household and why it's so crucial to actually hold the accountability of parenthood, like the standard of parenthood, so that children, as they, you know, as they're growing, they, they see the example um a proper example to mimic and to, you know, be in society. There's too many things that are upside down, you know what I mean, Um, as far as structure and stability is concerned and really understanding the formation of a family. Um, One thing that I did take notice of uh, as you were talking, Ramiel, you stated how, you know, you see how you need to be that example for your daughter. And that is so important. That is so critical, you know, to uphold and want to master, essentially, you know. Um, Too many people don't take on that role. And I feel that's where a lot of the times, the topic of abortion 
would come into play because the female wouldn't, she may not feel that she can depend or rely on the brother. Financially, he may not be there to support. Um, He may not even look at her as someone that he wants to have a baby by. So just off of that disrespect, you know, he may act a certain way to where he doesn't want to be in the picture. And it leaves the question to the woman, like, what is she to do? Um, I find it funny that, you know, um, when it comes to this decision, the brothers oftentimes feel that they can't, um, well, excuse me, the woman can't make the decision on her own. And the reality of the situation is is that she can make the decision on her own. If she couldn't, then it wouldn't be possible. You understand what I'm saying? The most that the brother can do is secure something for her, give her some bound, uh, you know, a sound reasoning as to, yes, you can have this child and you will be all right. Um, Most don't do that. And as you touched on white supremacy, you see a system which is established to where it would supply that. It would give that, you know. But that's going into another subject. I just, I'm just pointing out different correlations. But again, you know, different the, the options that the mother would have in that instance where the father himself can't be present or wouldn't be present in the child's life or in the in the decision of the child's life. I feel like a lot of it needs to be understood that the man needs to take on the role of parenthood, parentship in that in that regard if they were to actually have a voice or actually have a say in the matter. And now we can always go back and speak on, um, you know, most was, let me back up a little bit because it's like, you can, you can really analyze this two ways. You know, we spoke a little bit about this before, how, you know, you have the logical approach and then you have the emotional approach, the morale approach. Where the illogical, the, excuse me, the logical approach would be deemed as inhumane. Where you know you look at it strictly logistically, you know, can you financially sustain this child? Is it beneficial to you? Um, are there too many repercussions or detriments or burdens that may be placed upon you as an individual to where you can't even? provide proper care for the child if you was to have it? Would it it be smart to have this baby? That's the logical approach, you know what I'm saying? And those would deem it as inhumane if the results were to be, no, I cannot sustain this child. So now that I can't, I see that I can't sustain this child, where do I go from here? Do I terminate? Do I give it up for adoption? You know, 
do I, as I give it up for adoption, is the father the proper care for that? You know, is he even a decent custodian for the child, even though he's a part of the child's life? There's so many broken, so many broken avenues within our society. It's ridiculous. You know, but all of these, all of these cons, that whole layout that I just stated, you know, results in the mother having to put this pressure on herself. Is this, is this something I can handle? You know, it is a lot. The same way you would have to, as a man, own up to the role of fatherhood. The mother has to be willing to do the same. We're, we're accountable. The, the responsibility on us is so is so much greater than yours. Just on the mere fact that we're the ones carrying it, carrying the baby. You know, it becomes a uh, a real a real conundrum. I would say, you know, because at the end of the day. If you can't take care of the child, if you come to that decision, if you can't take care of the child and you have the abortion, are you a monster? Are you, are you Islam? Islam, I'm sorry. I got, um, I got booted off. Oh, oh my. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, let me let me start yeah. by giving um, giving my reason why um, people may hear a different tone from me on these on this conversation and these these particular topics. One, you know, um, I just went into my trek, you know, dealing with fatherhood. When I was um, nineteen, um, I was dating, not even really dating, just sleeping with a young lady. Um, who I think were 17 at the time. I was 19, I think she was 17, senior in high school, and I just graduated. And she ended up getting pregnant, um, and she had an abortion behind my back. Um, I didn't know anything about it. Um, When maybe a few months later, um, there was another sister, um, who ended up getting pregnant, this is back in the early 90s, um, who ended up getting pregnant by me. And um, um, she had an abortion. When I moved to California, there were there was a, uh, um, a sister who um, I was seeing who wanted to be in a relationship um, with me and at the time, I was too mentally far gone to understand a few things. Um, and she ended up having a miscarriage, partially because of the um, stress that I put her through with my immaturity and stupidity. Okay. Um, maybe um, a year or two later, um, there was another um, young lady who, who was really young who got pregnant by me. She was uh, like in her early 20s, somewhere around there. 
And um, I had to be at this point still living there. I had to be in my my late 20s still, I think. She got pregnant. And um, she ended up having an abortion. And the way that I found out that she was pregnant and had the abortion is because it ended up being a link, uh, a common link uh, with her and I through some mutual friends who uh, came back and told me what had happened. And um, and then later on, um, let's see, I have a um, an ex of mine that uh, when we were together, uh, she had uh, an abortion. For me. Um, this is a uh, source of of not only um, irritation, but of clear right and wrong. See, I don't really give a I don't I don't really care too much about the whole opinion thing. Um, I really don't care. Just being honest and forthright, I, I really don't. I don't care about the it's my body crap. Don't care. I don't care about the nine months. Oh, you know, I carry the child for nine months. I don't care. Um, There's only one issue for me, or actually there's two. There's the issue of unless a woman tells me that she went outside, she opened her leg, and that she created and conceived through the energy of the sun, then at that point she has the sole responsibility because the S-U-N sun um, cannot voice necessarily an opinion or really can have a part in, in anything. Now, with the fact, undisputable fact, that it takes Two people, two, it takes both masculine and femininity. At this point, I have not met one woman who can completely activate her masculine energy, and I'm not even going to get into the science of it, um, to conceive within herself naturally. have not met that woman. So... For me, but I mean, can I touch on the science a little bit? Because I mean, I I think that is important to know. Sure. All right. Well, I mean, just to just to you know, just to keep it short, you know, there is a uh, possibility for a female to uh, fertilize her own egg. You know, which is it's known as autofecundity. All right. And now, um, okay, basically within a female, each ovary consists 600 eggs, all right? So that's 1,200 altogether, right? Within each over, uh, uh, like one ovary itself is said to have 12 eggs, which may hold 46 chromosomes already stored within it. Now, remember, it takes 46 chromosomes to produce a human, right? 23 from typically from each, uh, excuse me, each parent, right? Now, um, so you have 12, 
12 of those uh, potentially uh, already compact eggs, right, within each ovary. So that's 24 out, uh, 24 out of 1,200. Now, this is where, you know, when, the, when the, say a female was to have sex and the sperm activates one of these eggs, there will be no DNA from the father given in onto the egg because it already has the 46 chromosomes within it. So essentially it would be literally just the spark that allows that egg to bloom, right? Um, and that will be known as the, uh, quote, immaculate conception or the miracle child because for some reason, you know, the egg already has the 46 in it. You see what I mean? And that's just a natural happen, uh, happening, you know? So um, that's where, the, the like I said, the miracle birth would come in. And um, some would say, you know, that's why it's the mama, baby, papa, maybe kind of uh, lingo. But I digress, Sheik. I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. Okay. No problem. Um so if a woman is telling me that she laid down by herself and created um, hold on one second let me before i before I finish what I'm saying, um if you want to push one, you can. I want as many people to add to this conversation as possible. This is not a conversation between um, uh, me and uh, the L, Sister Cherise L. It's a conversation for everyone. Um, and we, mm-hmm. I need your input. Please need your Indeed, input. Indeed, because it is a um, serious topic. It's a very serious topic. And, it's, you know, so if, you did not, if you're not telling me that um, you laid down by yourself, then you, in my, you have no right no right to remove um, or abort someone else's child also. In my, the way that I see it is that women cling to this nine-month thing and and the um, changes that my body go through. Mm -hmm. I got that. I understand it. Mm -hmm. But mathematically, um, the nine months out of 70 years, you know, we, we we're talking about a portion of time that mm-hmm. is not. That is critical. That is it, so it's critical. critical it's critical because if it wasn't, if that knows, if within those nine months, it's not successful, the the outcome could be disastrous. Right, as but they're not clinging to it for that. Child. Right, but they're not they're they're not talking about that. They're not talking about that part. They're talking about oh. I have to do this for nine months. That's different. That's that's using the time period as if it's real time, as if this time is significant. We're not talking about the process because the argument could be made on the basis of I'm not in a good environment, mm-hmm. you know, for this process. But that's not what women are saying. And before I get too far, I'm going to bring in. Well, I know what I'm um, saying because, oh, sorry. Well, I'm going to bring in 941. Um, with the exchange 737, area code 941, with the exchange 737, Islam. 
Islam. Uh, Islam. Pizza Islam. 3 <laughs> What's going see, on, Brother um, I wanted to add to this because you did mention Facebook, and we do have a lot of the same friends. And one thing that's been disturbing that I've been seeing on my timeline repeatedly for weeks on end are brothers that feel like they have a right to say, you know what, sister, I told you I didn't want to have no baby, and you decided to keep the baby anyway, so I'm going to step off. And because you went ahead and made that decision, and I told you how I felt about that decision prior to, I don't have no part to this, and you shouldn't force a responsibility on me, be it physically, mentally, or financially. Now, my spin on Mm. this is, you know, we're talking about the actual process after conception has happened. I want brothers and sisters to be more responsible with their sex, period. Anybody that you lay down with, anybody that you lay down with is a potential partner in the creation of a child. There's no Mm -hmm. two ways about it. You could be on any form of birth control, which I personally am against because I feel that's another form of poison. But this is something that everybody needs to pay attention to when you make that decision. If that brother isn't worthy of going half on the baby with you, you shouldn't even, you ain't got no business laying down with him. And the same goes to brothers. If you look at her and you feel like I can't do nothing with this woman, she's not good, I can't make her a wife, or she's not fit to raise any of my children, you ain't got no business laying down with her. We've got to be more responsible before we even yeah. get to the point of conception happening. Yeah. And that's the, you know, I am a mother, I have sons, and this is what I tell them. Any woman that you lay with might just produce a baby with you. So think about, you know, think 10 steps ahead, not just let a moment that of satisfaction moment. be a lifetime of regret. I concur wholeheartedly, and that's why, you know, it just it speaks to what I was stating earlier about how, you know, the responsibility, the role of motherhood, you need Absolutely. to know if you can hold it, you know, not Absolutely. just because, you know, what's that, there's this, I th- there's like this analogy where they say, you know, like any, any female, any, any, any female animal can make a baby, you know what I'm saying? Right. You have some who take care of it and you don't, and you have some who don't. But what you see is the difference, like just the harmonious connection, mother to child. Islam, speaking of you harmonious, know? there's a spiritual realm about this that nobody seems to be talking about. There's, there's an energy and a spirit created. There, there's a spirit and an energy created just, when, just in the act of love making or sex. But then there's, there's a morality question involved too, you know. So it, it gets it gets real sticky, and I do agree with you, brother, that the woman should not have the responsibility or the right to make the decision without having this conversation. I'm not saying that she doesn't have any final say. Don't get me wrong, but it mm-hmm. is a conversation that needs to take place. As far as these women aborting these children without talking to the man that they lay down with, it's dead wrong. True. But there's, there's a, you know, your, your, your morale is in question at this point. Mm-hmm. Because you I'm don't gonna, know what that child is sent here to do. I'm, I'm going to put it um, this way because I, I, I concur with, with everything you're saying. This is the way that I was raised, and this is the way that I approach and think about anything. And it goes back to what you said in the beginning, sis, about. These are conversations that should be had prior to, prior to the lay down. 
Mm-hmm. Anytime you know for a fact that children are a byproduct of sex. Yes. That's a fact. What so the contract, the agreement is signed with the sexual act that you agree to the consequences. Yes. There is no form of of protection that is a hundred percent. Correct. So so even if you're using it, you're agreeing to that point zero one possibility of a consequence. You're agreeing to that. Mm-hmm. And people use the excuse, and I've seen it on um, on this conversation um, and some of these conversations on Facebook where women are coming with the, the nonsense that, oh, men are trying to control our bodies and our sexuality. And I'm, and I'm like, no one's trying to control you. These, these things to me are all but common sense. If, if you didn't do it by yourself, then at what point the complete power transfer over and you just the end all be all authority? Like, I don't but get that. Okay, well, can, can, may I interject here? Because, Please. I mean, like I stated before, you know, in regards to, quote, the end all be all, the woman is within this paradigm, this dimensional realm, where it comes to life, life-giving, we are the end-all, be-all. Fact. You understand? So now when it comes to, I suppose, a negotiation, as you stated, because it is a contractual agreement that's taking place. Mm-hmm. So now in the negotiation process, whether it do I bring this, do I bring this life forward, that is that is on the on the father's part to put his input in. Where I stated before to to lay it out like you know I can secure you, I can bring this to the table. It's not just going to be you alone. You know what I mean? Many hands make light work. I understand the power in a family, and I'm willing to sustain that. You know how many within our society even have. The, they they don't even have a concept of family anymore. It's broken. You see what I'm saying? So so what does a female do when she's in the bracket of negativity as far as um is it beneficial to have this life? What does a female do? It seems it seems heartless. Here comes this is what I was speaking about it being inhumane. It's heartless. How could you think to take a life? It's heartless. I brought it as we were talking. It's you know we. It's funny we. You know these points. It's like it's so. It's such an important topic, man. And I'm I'm just happy that we're having this discussion. You know, but as I stated before, and as I I spoke to you, Ramiel, I pointed out how even the prophet told us within this movement we're going to see blood up through a horse's eyebrow. Essentially stating that there's going to be casualties. There's going to be um, you know, bloodshedding in the street. We're going to see grotesque things that we most will not want to see or want to allow to happen or to be, but it will be for the greater good of the whole. Now, it sounds crazy. It sounds so, you know, 
damn near blasphemous for some people for me to speak like this. But in from the micro, excuse, from the macro to the micro, where a decision needs to be made, you understand what I'm saying? It's ultimately the female's decision. And the man on this realm just can't do that. Like they can't do anything about it. It's our it's our responsibility. It's our, our cross to bear. It's our nightmare our nightmares to have. You know, our torment or lack thereof. You see, so I mean, that's that's just it. Whatever happens karmically, that's our karmic debt. But. The act itself, like it, for it to even be possible or for it to happen, it is ultimately the woman's decision. That is fact. That is reality. Are you the floor? Well, I um, <clears throat> before I say anything, I'm, do you have anything else that you want to add, sis? Um. Yeah, I, I think. I think bottom line for for people that are in the position where it's too late to discuss the I should have thought about this before I laid down with this person. I think we all right, have because that's mainly what we're speaking of. I'm sorry. Right. No. 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 That's okay. Um. You know, we just have a lot of cleaning up to do as both men and women, and I feel like if if the if the men were men, and I'm not saying anything against you, brother. I don't know you. But I know no, of sisters that have been, in, you know. But I do know of sisters that have been in situations that felt like I can't tell this man that this is what I'm going to do. I don't want him to find out that I'm pregnant. I don't want to have a baby with him because I saw something else or I found out something about him. I feel like if men were more honest and straight up, then the women shouldn't have a second thought about bringing forth a life that was made between Islam. Islam. I think there's oh. a lot of there's a lot of you know, buffoonery that's going on on the male part, and I'm not excusing no behavior that I see these women out here doing either, by any means. But I just know from a woman's perspective, you look at the actions and the choices that a man does, and you're like, do I really want to have to deal with him for 18-plus years behind this? Or can I just move on? Because outside of abortion, some women are even having the children, and they don't even ever tell this brother that it's his baby or that she was even pregnant. Mm-hmm. Behind his actions and his character, and you know things that of, of that nature. So I just feel like we—it's just time to be grown ups. You know, I mean, you know, Sister uh, Shahrazad Ali said many years ago: the average female and male in America does not have the mental capacity above the age of fifteen. We're all teenagers in grown up bodies. Mm-hmm. So we just we we got a lot of work to do. There needs to be a lot of we need to build each other up. There's got to be trust and communication, and I feel like these issues won't even arise because I don't think this is what we so always true. were. It mm-hmm. wasn't. You know, it wasn't. You know, right? Half of us wouldn't be here if it was. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's all I have to do. I I give you the floor back. Um, I appreciate your perspective, sis. Thank you. All right, I'm going to bring in um, 601 with the exchange 421. 601, exchange 421, Islam. 
Islam Islam family. This is Sister Naye. Um wow, this is you know, this is real interesting. I've been sitting over here biting my tongue and going through changes. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to bite your tongue. Just put it out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, first of all, um, the, the the last sister that just spoke, she mentioned a very, very important word, um, or she mentioned uh, a word like it, which is maturity. So when we're having these problems, nine times out of ten, and you mentioned that, you know, you were young when you did it. All of us are young. When you're having, when these teenagers are having babies under the age of 21, they don't even have a direction of their life. So um, you're laying down with somebody trying to make a grown-up decision. So before you can even see yourself, you know, uh, study yourself, you know, you you have no idea who you are. So here you are laying down with somebody, then bam, you make another human being that you think you're going to be able to make, you know, manage, and you don't, you can't even manage yourself. So, there, these are bad decisions being made by, by young people, and um, that's why back in the day, basically, you know, you grow up and you get married and you you learn and and then you have a baby, but nobody really that anymore. And then on the side of the sisters, saying. Once we carry the stuff, all these Islam, months, Islam, Islam, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of difficult to hear you, sis. Oh, breaking up I'm a little sorry. bit. Not okay. a problem. Okay. Is, is this better? Yeah. Okay. So once we carry this child for so long, we're 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 stuck with this baby no matter what. The brothers usually vacate or they say they don't want to do this or do that. So how could a decision be on them to control the rest of your life? Because you're a mother for life. And as you stated, your dad wasn't there. You know, people men make these decisions really quickly because of immaturity. So we have to think about what's best for us, what are we doing, you know, what's going on. And I'm not saying that abortion is the right thing to do, but if you've got an immature mind, you have no idea what you're doing. So that's that's what the majority of uh, people fall into, making mistakes so early, trying to jump out there and be grown, and you don't know what the grown part is going to you. And then the sister said, then karma is on us. I mean, that's, that's, that's really the bottom line. It goes maturity. First, because you're talking about contracts. Well, children, young adults ain't thinking about no contract. It, that that don't even exist in an immature mind. Okay. So you've already made that mistake. So now the mistake is made. Now the woman jumps to having to be a mommy, you know, no matter what. She has to be a mommy. And, and if she's too immature to handle that being a mother, she could do damage to the the um, unborn child, or she could do damage to the child when it when it comes. I mean, you 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 don't know, but but the father definitely is not guaranteed to even have to stay around, even by law. I mean, the only thing that the women are guaranteed to get is child support. But where is the father? So yeah, I I, I believe that. Uh, the women have a big part in this, and I yield the floor. Islam, 
I concur, you know, with the fact that by, you know, by law and within the system, you know, that we're living in, um, that ultimately um, the child becomes or can become uh, the mother's responsibility. Um, I agree and I concur and I understand that. My my biggest contention, you know, is still is still the same, and it go. But it also goes back to the fact that we do need to start having these conversations with these children early. You know, we've become we become people where we're afraid to say don't have sex, and mm-hmm. we buy condoms and birth control for children at fifteen and use the excuse where they're going to do it anyway. And those are cop outs. Mm-hmm. Those are just mm-hmm. straight up cop outs, you know, to where we just accept what society has planned for our children because we don't have a plan. Yeah, you don't have a, you don't have a plan. So society has planned for your children to be overly sexualized by the time they are ten. Yeah. That mm-hmm. they have seen so much graphic sexual material. That their their hormones are out of balance completely, mm-hmm. and so you have now accepted that a child who is fifteen, twelve, and we're not talking about the time where you know we're doing dealing with rites of passages where where daughters and sons were married at sixteen. We're not in that time. We're not mature in that way. We don't learn mm-hmm. or understand in that way. So it's not the same. So now you have parents who cop out, and then you have children, both male and female, who see sex as a right, not a responsibility. It's just a right. I have the right to do it. It has no responsibility in it. And so then you have these situations where, you know, a, a, you know, a daughter gets pregnant and society has fed her all this is my body, is my right crap. And a son who feels like, well, I don't have to be there if I don't want the child, that nonsense, you have that. And because neither person, neither party was of any age mentally to sign that contract. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're accepting it. Like, I, yeah. I, can't, I, I just, the, the thing that irritates me with the subject it's is the it's my body thing as if there's no other body in there being formed. Like there's no other body in there being formed. Who's speaking for the child? You know who's speaking for who's speaking for the baby. I do agree, right? But evidently, you, she don't need to be speaking, and she took away the <laughs> other voice that possibly could be a voice of reason because she's illogical in her mm-hmm. process by the very fact that she entered into this arrangement. So you you have these situations where they're not leaning upon adults because now you have a, 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 mm-hmm. a mentally 11-year-old girl, a mentally 9-year-old boy out here having sex. Mm-hmm. And she feels like she don't have to tell him. She can just ab- abort the baby because she wants to. She doesn't want to have her life upset, you know, women, oh, I don't want my body ruined. I mean, it's just nonsense. <laughs> and, and 
and it becomes a a huge thing because we're not planning for our children in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. We're just not planning. And, you know, they're just touching on planning, you know, proper parent planning, right? Um, I feel that it's, it's so important to bring it up. You know that I had to, you know, just me dealing with astrologics and my true understanding of religion and um, what it really, the underlining reasoning for why the reallegioning that we have to have with our ancestors, our predecessors, we need to be able to understand and interpret the things that they have left for us, the order that they have left, you know, particularly in, you know, what I'm speaking of is the laws of my eyes, you know, right. the laws of nature. And just getting back to that, going back to those principles, there's so many things that will once again work in balance. The scales will once again balance itself out to where you'll be able to understand beforehand, before as as the act as the contract presents itself, once you are of competent age to understand, of course, you know, but once the contract presents itself, you'll be able to decipher for yourself if that is something that you can move forward with. That is something that needs to be uh, shown and educated to our children. It's so important. And, you know, I go into... Uh, you know, really understand the energies that an individual has, getting mm-hmm. into their natal chart, understanding mm-hmm. their trinity, what harmonizes with them. These are real energetic uh, entities that are around us, you know what I mean, that comprises us and sustains us. This is not a joke. This is so serious, you know. So many layers to unveil, but at the same time, it's like you got to start somewhere. It has to be done and put into practice so that, the mindset can stick, you know, this, this, we already understand the indoctrination. We understand the game that they play in the system that's in play right now within the United States jurisdiction. We understand the caste system, which is known as white supremacy within that jurisdiction. We get it. And we trying to get up out of that. But the way to get up out of that is to counteract the mentality that has been instilled within within you. You got to be, you got to detox of it, you know, And you're speaking of Noble Jurali saying get in your divine order And divine order is the whole root of everything that we must rise in So without that divine order of things Everything is going haywire It's not just this topic It's everything amongst the, the whole movement But it does have to be a divine order And so if we stick to that divine order We're going to do the right thing when we're rearing up our children we, if we're in order, they're going to be in order. If we're out of order, there's no hope. Precisely. Precisely. Indeed. You know, and, and that reminds me of a verse within the Quran. Uh, forgive me for uh, not remembering its particular, its location, its exact location, but the verse goes, you know, teach a man science and he'll be um, useful. Right. Mm-hmm. Teach a man religion and he will die happy. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I found that so statement so profound. I don't know why, but it's stuck in my mind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's it's just it's 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 things like that that once you really understand the power of it, mm-hmm. you want to project that to the world so that everybody mm-hmm. can catch on. Right. So we can really raise the vibration. You know what I mean? And we gotta get there. 
<laughs> we got to get there. So and brother, I that agree. To that. I'm sorry. I'm just cutting in because it's so good. But brother, I'm, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it goes to when you were talking, when you were giving your story in the beginning about what you did and, you know, how you, how you weren't really happy about the things that you did or whatever it is. You no, know, if if you were in the order, it would have never happened. And so Indeed. that's all it is. That's so, so now that we know that that's where it starts, we really need to start that from this mm-hmm. point on and, and move forward on that. And in everything we do, just stay in order because everything has a place, everything. But it all, it yeah. all stems from, from that spiritual realm, it did. Our ancestors are telling us what to do. And, you know, when you sit there and you know you're doing the wrong thing and your ancestors are constantly telling you and showing you, but yet we, we fail to, oh, I don't know if it's out of laziness or mm-hmm. un, unsurety of yourself to be able to, to teach uh, your, your own children. Because, you know, a lot of us, when it comes to other children, we can tell them everything. But when it comes to our, ours, <laughs> you know, you know mm-hmm. it's kind of like you're scared you're going to lose the friendship. So right now it's not about a time for friendship. You know, when you mm-hmm. have teenage children, it's about the time for righteousness. It's a time, mm. you know, so because what you teach her now, she's going to carry on forever. That's what you want her to do. You want her to remember the righteous teachings that you gave her, and she'll stay in divine order no matter what. And and, yeah. and that's how it's got, it's got to be that way. Mm-hmm. It's love. It's love. I appreciate your perspective, sis. Thank you. Gratitude. I'm going to bring in 415-949. The area code is 415. The exchange is 949. Islam. Islam. Islam, your brother. Oh, this is your brother, Sabir, Hannibal L. I just want to say that was a very good show. It was very informative. Uh... I think we got a lot of work to do, and I think we need to get back to our ancient customs. That's the biggest problem that we're having. Indeed. Indeed. Um, and that's what I was going to go into that, you know, as we uh, get to the last half hour. So it's, I'm glad you brought that up um, <clears throat> because one of the, the, the main thing that I'm seeing um, is that we're attempting to enforce a system that truthfully, naturally doesn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. The system itself, you know, and we tend to um, um, we tend to digress back to our customs, even if we don't know that there are customs. They're programmed. They're programmed in mm-hmm. already. Yeah, yeah. So... The the attempt the the attempt um, to hold men in a certain um, to a certain certain class or a certain standard that does not naturally fit, or the attempt to hold women to a to a certain standard that doesn't fit, is always going to be futile. Mm-hmm. And when we when we when we go back to the source of of who we really are, um, we'll see that the true reason that we don't have this, and it goes back to what Sister Arisel said about um, the passage in the Quran where it says, teach the man religion 
and he will die happy. The teaching of religion is the is the teaching of or bringing you know, bringing each one back to uh, the binding back to the ancient customs and thoughts and processes mm-hmm. of the ancient foremothers or forefathers. Right. That's why you die happy. You know, but what we're doing is that we're doing it the way that we've been indoctrinated in this system the way it is. It doesn't work for us. It just doesn't work. Men are not necessarily supposed to be in the life of children the way that the system has taught us that the father is supposed to be in. It's not the natural course. Mm-hmm. And so you have this tension that is naturally there because in truth, I do wholeheartedly agree with Sister Sharice when she says that women are the end-all, be-all. They were made right. to be that. In this right. system, they're not allowed to be that, and the, and the father is demonized for doing what he naturally is programmed to do also. So you have an issue here. Mm. So now you're telling men that they're wrong for spreading fertilizer. You're telling women that they're wrong for accepting multiple fertilizer. You're also telling uh, women uh, or not teaching women to learn their ovulation cycles. Most women don't even know that they ovulate, don't even know their menstrual cycle. Most men have never even heard of ovulation. I never heard of that. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> you see, so how, right. So how are we? We, we are we are jacked up on a lot of levels. So as, as much as I am irritated by certain things when I'm seeing this, I understand on a much higher level. I understand what's actually going on. But I understand that until we can get back into agreement with just a regular foundation of of understanding respect for each other, then we can't even get back to the ancient custom itself because it's all based on on gender and respect for gender. Mm-hmm. Right. Islam. 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 One of the things that I'm hoping comes out of, um, you know, comes out of the show is that um, we can see the need to have these conversations and to really get back to it, to really get back to the understandings. You know, we we have to slow down. We have to start talking to our children about it. You know, I don't, I don't care if my children know about my past because my past is an example of why I'm in the science the way I am now. So I can look back on the fact that um, my life earlier, um, I had different women get abortions or all these things. I can look back on the relationship with my father, and I can use that as an example as to what pushed me towards the science and why I teach my children a certain way. Because I can be the, that living example of what that looked like to be out there willy-nilly, 
you know, and all those things and say, okay, well, I, I can prove to you this doesn't work. This is how I can prove it. And this is why mm-hmm. you need to know exactly who you are because when I didn't know who I was, when I didn't understand or know what ovulation was, when I thought that going to the club and having a one-night stand was okay, this is what my life looked like. This is what it looked like. And these are the things that I endured because of that process. And so I don't even mind. I don't care if my children know because I want them to know that I have a plan and I want them to understand because I have daughters. And so they need to. My daughter is listening to this show right now. She's out of school. I said, listen to the show. Because she needs to know that this is what it looks like. You need to be studying your body. You need to be in in the books learning yourself. Mm -hmm. She studies her cosmological chart. Why? Because her father has a plan Mm -hmm. for her not to end up and not to even be those girls that her dad did with when he was younger. Indeed. So, are you at the floor? Did you have anything? Well, I'll add something. You know, like it's it's um, you know, it's it's just really critical that people take a, you know, just recognize how you see the importance in setting a proper example. Like, it's not enough to just be in the child's life. You know, you really have to be able to show them something to actually attain and aspire to something. A standard is being created by the father, by the mother, you know, both parties. And so it needs to be one that is honorable. This is the whole point of morals, you know what I mean? Like, you need to know how to realign yourself, how to be an upright individual mm-hmm. and be accountable, you know. Like my father, I'll speak, you know, personally for a moment with my father. Growing up, I wouldn't think that he's somebody most would vouch for as uh, a candidate to be a father. You know, there's a lot of demons that he was battling with, and he took it out on me and my mom in a lot of ways. You see what I mean? So in that example, I saw what I didn't want in a man and what I don't want to be around or what I, what I don't want to make a copy of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It becomes right. important, the standard that's being great, that's being seen by these children. So, you know, I, I commend you, I honor you for being being one of those few who do take accountability for that example needing to be set. Right. Because it's so real how we need it. As women, we need it. Because we look at the masculine, when, it, when in regards to masculine energy, the male, the male more, the male counterpart, that individual represents that energy. You know, although we do understand, you know, all living things are comprised of both masculine and feminine, but just in the physical representation of what masculine energy is, that is attributed to you as a man, a male, 
you know? Mm-hmm. And us, we we as women, we have the female energy to, to represent. So understand on all levels, not just not just as a father, but as a brother, as a lover, a best friend, you know, a partner in whole. A standard needs to be set. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I just um I, I'll yield the floor with that. I'll yield the floor with that. Islam. Islam. Do you have anything to add, brother Sabir? No, that's that's it. Everything is uh everything was pretty much uh pretty much pretty much said. Everything I need to know I I know from this lesson. It was uh very informative. Very, very informative. I uh, appreciate it. Y'all did a good job with the demonstration. Very good job. Appreciate you. Gratitude. I'm going to bring in area code 916 with the exchange 539. Area code 916, exchange 539. Hey, uh, this is Sister Kyla. Um, I just wanted to piggyback off of what um, Sister Sharice is saying. Um, I think what she is, she's giving a very good um, viewpoint uh, about those sisters, but one thing that she said that resonated to me is the standard needs to be set. And although we are speaking mainly to the children that are coming up, even when you have adult children and you've now come into the light, the standard still needs to be set. Um, you may not have had that standard when they were young and impressionable and uh, able to be molded, you can still create a new standard because you have changed and you are now in the conscious world. So those things that um, you once did before, you can not sweep them under the rug, but you can make them right again. You can now give them um, with your adult children um, new life lessons, or now begin those conversations in regards to the mistakes that you made, um, and how maybe you um, are seeing them go down that path, and 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 being able to still impact their life. It is not lost because your children are grown. Um, it is something that may take a different form or a different shape, but it is still something that you can. Um, you can still give to your child because no matter what, um, that adult child is it has a child in them that is still longing for those things that they did not have when they were a child and mm-hmm. it made them make those um, decisions uh, that cost them um, maybe a child, you know, maybe they made those decisions because of what they were going through with, with that parent. So at some point in time, um, when you do become into the conscious world, you can't just forget that you were once unconscious and you once made mistakes. So go back to those children and acknowledge those hurts and those feelings because maybe that's all they're looking for. And they can then say, okay, um, you impacted my life this way and these are the decisions that I've made and it's got me here, but it's not working for me. But thank you that you valued me enough to come back and say, you know, I'm sorry, I apologize, I want to do right. That means something to that that child that lived within all of us um, because our uh, our mother or our father wasn't there. You know, um, I think that the um, the fathers 
um, although the you know the survey that you read said that you know we are more involved than anyone else, um, and that may be true, but uh, we are we are the the true life here. You know, we are the ones who set the standard. We are the ones who created. So just because we are a little bit better than the rest. It, that, mm-hmm. To me, that means nothing. We are the standard of excellency, so all of us need to mm-hmm. be doing the best that we can be. Um, mm-hmm. But if you didn't start that way, it doesn't mean that you don't have to end it that way. You can learn something about yourself and then apply it to the life that you live today. Islam, I yield. Islam. Islam. Yeah, I, you know, I, can, I completely concur. It's never... It's never too late to um, reset, recenter, refocus, you know, and go into the proper direction. You know, you see many, you see many um, adults in their late thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. You know, we have brother um, in this territory, brother uh, Ramesses. You know, he's an elder. You know, he is um, uh, sixty something. and he came into the science in his 60s and has wasted no time, you know, in being extremely active, being um, a role model, you know, setting a standard, you know, giving it out to his his great great his grandmother actually, who mm-hmm. is um, I think a hundred and hundred and I think a hundred hundred and three or something like that, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, he, you know, he gave her the Quran, and she, you know, fell in love with it. At, you know, we're talking about in, in, at her age now, you know. So we never stop learning, and we can always set the example. We, as long as we can talk, walk, and breathe, you know, or mm-hmm. at, least, <clears throat> at least the breathing part, then we have a chance to, to make changes and to be, uh, you know, be an example, Um and even if you have made those mistakes, you see many people who uh, maybe were prostitutes or uh, people who, you know, was hustling and they did that up until they fifties. You can still come in. You can still be a light. You can still teach these children. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I have no problem. I have no problem uh, in these arenas talking about some of the things that I've done and some of the things that I've been through because it serves a purpose. Somebody hopefully is going to going to hear it and see it, and it's going to resonate. And hopefully, um, those mistakes or those, uh, and even the triumphs that I've had, will hopefully um, move someone else who may, you know, um, have felt like they couldn't do it, or man, they're too far gone. Sure. I think it's a lot of um, a lot for one individual to consider, but the pressure that one may feel when they think about it, because you gotta understand, you know, I know you understand, but you know, I'm speaking to those who may be listening right. or will listen in the future. You know, um, what needs to be understood is that our people do not know how to critically think. They are literally stuck in a time warp. They are literally within a depression mentally. They are lacking a competency that is so essential right now. 
because of all the things that are going on globally, you know, we need to we need to be awake and we need to understand what it means to be awake. And we need to also pay attention to those things that we are paying attention to. So once that once that light switch turns on, once we realize the fact that we are present in this moment recording everything that goes on around us, the actions that we take, it actually ripples out and causes changes within other people's paradigms, within other people's worlds, right? When we really analyze that, we'll start to think twice about things and be more, make more sensible choices and won't be so easily persuaded by sensual pleasures because that is what we have been indoctrinated to you know, just just run to, you know, with sex, sex, sex everywhere in everybody's face all the time, you know? We could take it back to the time where, you know, everyone could walk around naked in front of each other. And it wasn't anything but a regular day. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Because everybody was on a mental level where it wasn't nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. But now it's like anybody, you know, you see some boobs, People go crazy. You see some abs, women throwing panties. <laughs> you know, right? It's, it's, it gets to be too much. Like we got to mm-hmm. draw back and really learn how to hone in our energy and channel it into those things that are worth it. Right. In all aspects, in all ways, and in all decisions, including childbearing. Right. So. I yield the floor there, family. Islam. Oh, yeah. and, and gratitude once yeah. again for having me on your show. I appreciate you. Honors and praise to Noble Juali. Our ancestors seen and unseen, those known and the unknown. Much love. Islam. Islam. You know, we're, you know, going back to the overly sexualized nature that's being presented, you know, you have to, um, as a parent, take a extremely active role in censoring things. You know, we've even gotten to where we hear the indoctrinated standpoint of, oh, they're going to see it anyway from the, from the students at school. Oh, well, they do it at school anyway. You know, ain't no use of censoring it when you're at home because when they go to school, the children are already doing it. Oh, they're going to have sex because everybody's doing it, and you can't, you know, control that. This is how indoctrinated people think. This is how indoct- this is indoctrinated people's viewpoint, and this is truly the plan of the system of white supremacy. It's the plan of the of the global financial system. It generates commerce, so they understand that your um, sexual stimuli is also tied to the stimuli within your body or the functions uh, within your body that create commerce. So every commercial is an overly sexualized commercial because that produces mass consumerism. And there are studies that will show that. And this is a plan. So when your children are wanting to wear certain clothing, 
you know, you have 12, 13, 14-year-old girls who lack mental and spiritual emotional maturity but may have uh, physical maturity, and then they're, they're still trying to, they're at this point trying to look attractive or trying to make sure they look cute. Well, that comes from the things that they've been allowed to put inside their bodies or, or little boys who are running around um, thinking they're talking about a, a little girl's body parts, you know, or overly sexualizing her or talking about how good she looks or trying to kiss and, and, and grope girls. And we're teaching them that it's okay. You see one of the things, one of the things that I see um, on the social media sites often now, often, there was one that was just put up, and it's gross. It, it, is, it is very much, even for moors, and I see people with L's, bays, day, and, and, and all's on their attributes putting these posts up. One of them that I just seen had a, a picture of a woman having sex with like a 9-year-old or 10-year-old boy, and it said, mm-hmm. parents, what would you do if you walked in the house and seen your babysitter doing this with your son? It's like, why, why would you even spread that? Why would you spread that? Why does that make sense to even spread it? Like, why does that make sense? And then you're going to get an indoctrinated answer. Oh, well, I'm just trying to see what people think or this is real stuff. It's only real in your in your paradigm. Mm-hmm. You know, or the one that says, shows a picture of two children going going to prom and you have the little girl who's wearing, uh, uh, who's very well endowed for her age and she looks like she's maybe 20-something and she's in a very short or see-through dress and things of that nature. And, and um, then it asks the question, if this was your, your son's prime date, what would you tell him? And then all the men come on there. Oh, I'd give them a condom. I'd take them to the back room and 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 and, and slap Lord. them five. I'd ask. I'd ask, where's his mother? These are the comments. And some of these are bays and ends. Oh my gosh! Did you know? You, know, you so, know about? You heard about the uh, the pedophile sheep? Um, what was it? He, yeah. Oh gosh. Forgive me for not remembering the location, but there's a sheik out there who has had like four counts of pedophilia somewhere on the east coast. Um, uh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to you on the uh, so-called state, you know, the state territory that yeah. Um, yeah. he's from. But yeah, like I mean, it is a serious problem. You know what I mean? It it's is something that needs to be addressed. And once again, it goes back to people. Waking up, like you, like we got to start being conscious. I mean, we could talk about this. We could talk. We could go down the list to where you know you have our children so confused to where with, uh, as far as gender is concerned, you know, little girls can't feel comfortable walking into an all-girl bathroom anymore because a boy may feel inside he's a woman. I mean, these are all right. things that needs to be talked about. I mean. Really, like, do, like, what, what do you, what do we do as parents in that situation? Do we jeopardize our women, our, you know, our, our little girls' uh, security 
that we would feel as as women in a in an all female locker room for this individual who has a mindset of a female, but he's clearly in a boy's body. What do we do? You know, these are serious social issues, you know, and nobody seems to have an answer. Or or if the answer does appear, oh, it's too harsh, it's too, no, we can't do that, it's too, you know, the emotionalism comes in. The guilt trips come mm-hmm. in. You right. know, the ramifications mm-hmm. of what may happen spiritually comes in. At the end of the day, though, isn't it still the individual's cross to bear? So once again, how far is it do we want to go with the judgment on the decisions of women? You know, it, it's you know, a lot. I'm, I got to be real with it. I got to be, I got, you know, I'm representing yeah. mother right now. It's it's a lot. Uh, um, it's a lot to to have to unfold and correct. It's a lot, you know, and it's and it's a um, you know a hundredfold issue, which is part of why it hasn't been attacked successfully. You know, when we are talking about abortions, when we're talking about this, we are talking about all those things at the same time. It's not separate subjects. It's all the same. Oh. It's just layers, layers of an issue, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and because of the of these layers of the issue, we think that they're separate, but they're not separate. And so we, you know, you you do um, through these different indoctrinations, you do have children produced um, who um, are unbalanced in their energies. You you do have parents who are unbalanced in their energies and understandings. You have all of that. You know, so that's going to conclude the show. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, I do, thank you for our um, co-host, um, Sister Reese L. I appreciate you coming on, lending us um, lending us your your information, your expertise. Uh, it's much appreciated. Thanks again and, um, for having me on your show. You know, I appreciate you, fam. And, you know, if if I may, you know, I just want to state, you know, anybody who wishes to contact me, you know, we do have a Learn More forum where, you know, we have it, – it's a private forum, and, you know, topics like this can be discussed amongst mores and, you know, it, you know, it's a jurisdiction where it's just our peers, and we can really express ourselves how we need to express ourselves amongst our own you know, um, uh, away from the distractions that you may find on Facebook, away from, you know, the lurkers or whatever. Everybody does uh, try their best to dialogue amongst the community with that, that we've built. So um, anybody who wishes to have an invite to that, please email morebook at activemores.com. Again, that's morebook, M-O-O-R-B-O-O-K at morebook.com. Um, also, donations are always accepted. Please email sharice.l at gmail.com if you want more info to, to lend donations to the website that we're putting up. There's plenty. Um, definitely want to shout out our um, RV Bay Publications. 
um, civilletter.net, uh, uh, morriscivilletter.net, excuse me, um, as well as morrisdirectory.com. Uh, I'm just putting these uh, reference websites out there for more who may be coming up listening to this and want to gain, uh, you know, more info on what it is that we discuss and we talk about in our mindset as more Islam. Islam. All right. So uh, we'll see you all back next week. I appreciate um, you all being a part of the show today. And um, hope we did some good. We'll see you next week. Peace and love. Peace and love.